My name is Matt Rury, and I cut the opening short because we have a lot to get to tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Calvin, what was your drink of choice tonight? Is it that obvious? I've had a couple drinks. Uh, No, I have inside information. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I had some (laughs) vodka. Vodka. I can't can't do the vodka. I'm just drinking some beers. Um, I can't do beer. It's like too much liquid for me. Too much I don't understand how people drink beer. I, yeah, like, I just like the taste of it. See, I don't. I'm like good for one beer, and then after that, I'm like sort of grossed out by it. Interesting. We wouldn't be very good drinking buddies, I suppose. Or maybe we would. Yeah, as long as we're both drinking, I think that's all that yeah. matters. <laughs> anyway, we do have a lot of topics on hand tonight because we weren't on the air last week. Uh, so if you want to give us a call, it's 323-642-1484, and uh, you can get in on this if you'd like over the next hour to hour and a half, whatever it may be. Uh, we start with a pseudo-Celtics topic. I say pseudo-Celtics topic because it's that time of year where Calvin wants to talk about trade rumors, and I don't really give a damn. So, Calvin, what's the trade rumor on the table tonight? Uh, the trade rumor is your Boston Celtics, Rory, uh, appear to be interested in... Did you mute yourself, or did you just drop off? Are we having problems already? Um, I don't know what just happened there. Calvin, you are gone. He just disappeared on me. Of course, everything was fine. And then he just falls right off the face of the, of the show. And I don't even have anybody here as backup because Liz is not ready. She will be uh, joining us later. Um, but for now, until he comes back, I guess I'll just give you a little teaser about what we're going to be discussing going forward. Because I, frankly, don't care about the trade rumor about Andrew Boga to the Celtics. There is a bigger point about this trade that I will discuss when Calvin comes back because I want him to hear it. But we're also going to talk a little bit about Rajon Rondo tonight, Russell Westbrook, a lot of basketball at the beginning of this show. Clay Thompson went for 60. We're going to get into that. The college football playoff has been determined. So we're going to discuss that a little bit. And uh, also we're going to get into some NFL football with all the stuff that went on this weekend. And the big news is at the end of the show, so the big teaser is that Chris Sale is a Boston Red Sox. If you didn't know that already, we're going to talk about it later. Calvin is back. Hello, sir. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. I was talking. I heard you fine. But apparently you did not hear me. Uh, Something went wrong. But now you're back. 
And uh, we, yeah. but we last heard you saying that the Celtics are interested in Andrew Bogut, and I already told the people that I don't care. But there's a bigger You're point that I want you to. There's a bigger point that I want you to hear about players in general, not specifically Bogut. So what what do you have to say about this? Well, a Bogut hurt him. Well, first of all, for the record, Bogut hurt himself last night. He's supposed to be out, you know, uh, at least ten days, probably around two weeks. So Great. Gonna, well, I let me think... go check my fantasy team. One of them, I have him. Go ahead. Well, you don't care, which is an interesting way uh, to get to sort of the the topic. Andrew Bogan. First of all, uh, we had this you know long debate last night where it's funny that you mentioned Nick Sassento because he's the one who jumped in. He made the comment that why why would he be interested in trading for Andrew Bogan because Andrew Bogan doesn't win him a championship. And I sort of. I well, drilled into him a little bit because I don't, I don't understand the philosophy of like not wanting to make a move unless that specific move is the move that makes you, that, that wins you a title. So when you say you're not excited about Andrew Bogut, is it because Andrew Bogut's not the guy who's going to win you a ring? Like, no, that's you not, not excited about. No, you know what? And I don't know. I, I I don't know where Nick uh, started going with because I think he was for the whole thing. I I'd have to go back and listen to the post game show I did with him. Uh, a few games ago, but we, when he brought it up then, my argument basically was, if the Celtics are already having difficulty finding a consistent lineup and a consistent rotation and, and way to go about winning games, then throwing a guy on the team that is not going to be playing every night that gets injured. This is before he got hurt too, so I didn't even. I, so I sort of maybe I predicted this this latest injury, but he's already been a guy that doesn't play on back to back nights. You have to manage his health. You have to manage him as a, as a player in the rotation. So I, I just was skeptical that the Celtics would be able to work him in effectively. And I would just rather see them work with what they have on their roster right now if they're going to go out and get a player that is most likely going to miss time due to injury. And at, at best, when he's, or when he's healthy at his best, if that's during the playoffs, it may, he'll just give you a slight edge on, on rebounds. But my overall point to Nick was that I do like the idea of getting a defensive type of player uh, like Andrew Bogut, but one that would be more healthy and and play more. I think the idea was that it'd be low cost because he's on a one-year deal. He he essentially makes the same amount of money as Amir Johnson. So you would swap out their contracts and you'd you'd probably have to throw Dallas a couple of second rounders. And yes, he's not healthy a lot of the time, but you're getting a rim protector uh, when he is healthy and something the Celtics desperately need for basically nothing, right? I mean, at this point, Amir Johnson, he played five minutes last night. He like, clearly he's falling out of favor with Brad Stevens. Yeah. I I feel like a big part of it is he just doesn't play well with Horford. You know, their skill sets don't really match up very well. And it, not only that, but it, it sort of seems like he's been sulking out there. And so I, I think you, you can even make the addition by subtraction argument when it comes to Bogut. But I understand why, you know, I wouldn't jump through the roof at the, at the chance to get a right. guy who is yeah. never healthy. So well, I'm, not, we're not, I'm not talking about – I wouldn't give up my – if the deal was right, obviously. I, this is, that's my caveat with all trades. If the deal looks right to me, then I would take the deal for just about everybody on this team. That goes right up through Al Horford. If you could find a way to get a, a better player than Al Horford by trading Al Horford, then I, by all means do it. And that I mean, there are only uh, 
what, 10 or 12 players that you could definitely say are better than Al Horford in this league, in my opinion. So that would be tough to come by. And that's why you would just, you would have to do it if the, if the opportunity came up. But I, I do like the idea of getting a defensive player around here, which reminds me on Friday night when DeMarcus Cousins was in town, I did the post-game show with Patrick Gilroy, and he, since we're talking about trade rumors, brought up the, the fact that the, the Celtics should be going after DeMarcus Cousins. It's not a rumor. He's just saying that they should be going after Cousins. And he presented me with this question. Would you rather have Andre Drummond or DeMarcus Cousins, assuming the value that you, that you sent away was equal to the player coming back? Like, if you think that Cousins is a much better player than Drummond then you would have to send something to the Kings that is more than what you would send to Detroit. But my opinion was I'd rather see a guy like Drummond who would be a vast improvement over the current Celtics centers defensively because I consider Al Horford to be more of a power forward. And regardless of whether you bring Cousins or Drummond in here, Horford's playing power forward and the other guy's playing center, in my opinion. So – Drummond is a vast improvement defensively over everybody there, whereas Cousins is is a slight improvement over Al Horford. So I just feel like pairing up Drummond and Horford would be a better solution, a better basketball winning solution for the Celtics than trying to put Cousins and jam him in there and have two players that are very similar at this point in Horford and Cousins. But Cousins is better, obviously. I mean, I, I think that Horford, and, and this sort of leads into the other part of our debate that I was interested in, in uh, hearing your response to, because it sort of led us down the road to, Gilroy made the argument that, that uh, the Celtics, I almost said we, as a non-Celtics fan, what a ridiculous thing I would have said, but it, I, oh. I didn't say we, thankfully, but I almost did. You shouldn't say we anyway. Nick Sacento, if you're yeah. listening to this broadcast, all due respect, please stop saying we. At, when you're talking on the post game show, just just please oh, I, stop. I, I, I doubt he's I listening, I, and if he is, Nick, seriously, all due respect, I love you, guy. You got to stop saying we. I don't even mind saying we so much that I'm not a Celtics fan, so it, it's utterly ridiculous for me to say we about the Celtics. But in, in any case, uh, if the Celtics. Yeah, so his argument was that Al Horford, and, and maybe you can give me some insight on this because I Googled it afterward and I couldn't find I couldn't find anything on the internet that said that he actually said this. But apparently, Al, uh, outside of you know years ago in Atlanta, but apparently Al Horford has been uh, complaining, according to Gilroy, complaining about the fact that he's playing out of position and how he'd like to play with a more traditional center because in his mind, what he is is a power forward. And that's the oh, reason. Wait, so yeah, I would not. I would not say that he's complaining by any means by about that. He is commenting on the fact that he enjoys that the Celtics play him at power forward more than he had been playing there in in the past couple of years. He's been saying that he doesn't. I don't think he feels like he's out of position at this point. When when does he play at power forward in Boston? Is he is he trying to argue that Amir's the center? Um, I mean, yes. Amir starts because at center. I mean, he takes. He. I mean, that's that. He. He is more of an anchor than Horford is. I feel like Horford is matching up against power forwards uh, often in games. Maybe I'm missing something here, Calvin. That, that you're that that you see, but 
I think this year he has been playing more of a power forward than, than he was last year because who was their center? It was him. I, I, isn't Millsap more of a power forward, or do you consider him a center? No, Millsap and Amir are around the same size, and this is, this is why I was, was arguing somewhat with uh, Gilroy about this. It's funny to me that he and – like Horford plays in the post, Amir Johnson doesn't really post up, doesn't really rebound that much. Like I, I don't know. Defensively, Horford's still the weak side shot blocker. It's like Horford's still playing the center position for the most part. But even mm. when you, all right, you're cutting in and out. We had you back for a second. I was going to give it a few more seconds of dead air before I started talking again. Are you like? You really I hear not you. hear me? Now I hear you. Now are you like moving around? This is fun. I'm not moving around at all. It's ironically you're also cutting in and out, but I've sort of just gone with it. Am I good or now? I hear you now. Can you hear me now? Right. That guy's not even with the same company anymore. Everybody's no, jumping he, ship. He switched. He switched to to Sprint, right? Yeah. I'm going to ESPN yeah. New Hampshire. Screw you, CLNS Radio. Anyway, <laughs> the, the point I was. Okay, so forget the semantical argument of, like, whether or not Al Horford actually plays center in Boston, even though I would argue that he mostly does because Amir's not even on the floor. Like, Kelly Olenek is not playing center when I, I realize he's taller right. technically. So, but well, Kelly so that's Olenek, what I'm, it's not the starting positions here that we're talking about regardless. It's, I mean, Olenek is a guy that is, that is playing center for them, for sure. And that's I think that's what Horford is looking at. They, they don't – I mean, they – don't consider him a center at Al Horford. That is in my mind, because Zeller plays a lot, a lot more, more recently too. I mean, it's five minutes here, six minutes there, but usually Horford's on the floor with him. Well, I mean, Horford can stretch the floor now, although I'm, I'm not liking how many threes he's been taking, uh, but that, that's neither here nor there. Okay. The, the bigger issue I want to ask you about, and this is, this is the, the argument Gilroy made was that the Celtics should trade for Andrew Bogut because Al Horford doesn't want to play center and you need to placate Al Horford in his positional no. demands to sort of try to recruit free agents in the future, which to, to my mind was an av- it was a ludicrous notion to like let the player dictate player personnel decisions and sort of like put when, when to my mind, the Celtics are best off playing small with Al Horford playing center anyway. So I don't, yeah, I don't want to speak for Patrick and explain what he was thinking, but um, I, yeah, I don't buy into placating to the to the player either. E- even though that's kind of the way the NBA is going right now, especially if the if it's a superstar type of player, obviously, I, I think LeBron James has some say in who uh, gets signed to Cleveland and, and whether they should push hard to bring back guys like Kevin Love or J.R. Smith or things like that. LeBron knows who he wants to play with. Uh, I, I would imagine that going forward, Russell Westbrook would have some say in who gets signed to Oklahoma City, you know. And, I mean, just looking around the league, there are a couple guys like that who would probably want to speak up and, and say, yeah, that, I like this guy, I don't like this guy, so-and-so. I mean, really only a, a handful of guys that you could consider. Golden State's a different story. I'm not going to name any of the players out there because they've basically put them – Golden State built it kind of the right way and they got a couple superstars out of it and we'll talk about one of their guys a little bit later but the point is that there are a few players that can dictate that stuff Calvin I bet Anthony Davis is going to be one of those guys 
and uh, that's that's just the way the league is kind of going. And I, I I don't want the Celtics to do that. I want them to try and build it the way uh, that they have in the past, albeit with a trade. They found the right types of players and matched them together, had a good coach, and played basketball the right way. I, I mean, that's that's what I'm looking for here. Horford is aware of of the league, is he not? Like the league, the, the Al Horford is a center. Like the notion that he's not a center is weird to me. But I, the bigger notion to me is like you're right. If Russell Westbrook says like he wants uh, to get better, like yeah, you try and facilitate it. But if, if Westbrook said uh, I demand that you know Reggie, Ch- this is a terrible example because he hates him. But if he said I demand that Reggie Jackson get traded back to Oklahoma City, I, I would. Uh, Imagine that Sam Presti would just tell him to go to hell, right? Well, yeah, obviously there's a certain level of player that you're not going to really chase down if you're a GM. But if you're talking about a guy that – if if you're really talking about a situation where Al Horford is that upset and he wants a a big center to to be able to play against or play with so that he can play power forward, then maybe Andrew Bogut's not your guy, but you should – go after somebody is maybe is possibly what Patrick is, is thinking because that's kind of the way the league goes. Guys want to play with people that they like. They want to play with their friends. And then I, I don't think Al Horford is that guy though. So if Patrick is, is saying that Horford is upset and he wants to play power forward, I don't buy it. I think that he's more of a team player than that. I think if anybody is, is whining and crying about the way they're being used on the court, it's Isaiah Thomas. So if you want to get into that, we can, but I think that's another 15-minute segment at this point. And, yeah, can't hear you now. I don't know what's happening. So, oh, you put the phone up. Never mind. Let's get him back on this way. I'm not even looking at the screen. There he is. Hello, Calvin. Yeah, I was hoping you'd look. I've been here for a minute, but uh, you were dropping in and out too much, and it just became frustrating, so I switched over to the phone. Got it. Uh, yeah. In, in, in any case, yeah, I, I think Bogut to the Celtics, considering how low the cost is, can be a move that helps you a little bit. But but I don't think that like Al Horford's desire to play center uh, should factor in at all to whether or not you make that move. Yeah, and I, I don't, don't think, think it does. And I don't think having Al Horford as a power forward rather than a center is even the best move for the Celtics at this point, considering that the way that most teams have a small lineup. The Celtics in that game went to a lineup with with Horford uh, as center and Jalen Brown as power forward for about hmm. five minutes. It was pretty interesting with Bradley and Smart and Isaiah out there as the one, two, three. So that's about as small of a lineup as you'll see in the NBA. And I, I think, like, sort of stylistically, that's how they want to play anyway. It, it, that's really the deterrent to me to, like, trading to Andrew Bogut in the first place, which is, like, I'm not sure that he fits into what Brad Stevens specifically is trying to do. But we'll, I don't expect it to happen, especially now that his knee injury hit, but we'll see. All right. Maybe maybe a different type of player like that can come through to the Celtics here. If Jamie Ainge can pull the trigger on something. We'll have to wait and see. Um, what's next? Oh, Rondo. Rondo suspended. I assume that's what you want to talk about. Rondo was suspended the other night. He's actually, uh, what's today? He's playing tonight. Let's go see how Rondo's doing. And uh, you can tell them what he was suspended for. 
Uh, Rashad Rondo was suspended one game for getting into a verbal altercation with uh, Bulls assistant head coach Jim Boylan. Now, we don't really have much to say about this because I don't know specifically what the verbal altercation was. But it's interesting to me that he had the exact same problem in Boston, right, with Doc Rivers. Sort of, uh, Doc managed to keep it under his hat to a certain extent, but uh, certainly there were often stories and rumors about Rajon Rondo saying things, and obviously he didn't keep everything under his hat. He got into a confrontation with Rick Carlisle in Dallas. Uh, basically, Dallas gave up on Rajon Rondo during a playoff series. They benched him and did not play him again and then released him in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yeah. He got into a, a confrontation uh, in Sacramento with his head coach, and now he, he gets suspended for a game in Chicago. So in a vacuum, not a big deal, right? People get mad. Uh, maybe they take things a little too far. Get suspended for a game. You come back to right. work the next day, and you're fine. But this, is, this is, keeps happening with him. This keeps happening with him. He's getting suspended for altercations with referees. He's getting suspended for saying things to fans and, and just yelling at his coaches and things like that. And you're right. Doc Rivers kept it He kept it in his pocket. He, he didn't say anything about it. He kept it under wraps. Nobody knew. Nobody heard anything. He handled it himself. But other teams have not done it that way. They, won't, they, don't, they don't tolerate it. And Rondo is a guy that is becoming – he has a that he has a reputation of just being uncoachable, and that's that's not a good thing in the NBA. That's why he's had four teams in four years. He gets he keeps signing these one year deals and trying to fit in somewhere else and trying to just to to play, uh, and it's just not working out for him. So I don't I don't know where the, Chicago really goes from here, but it it seems like unless he shapes up over the next couple of months and they make the playoffs and they win a series or something he's not playing there next year either Murray, I think he signed a two year contract though right so he's probably back next year unless they move him but um, yeah, how much of this do you think is a consequence of just him being passionate and fiery it, or do you want to make the argument that at this point we can safely con- conclude that Rashawn Rondo is probably just a jerk yeah, I don't know, Calvin. I, I remember reading an article when he was with the Celtics years ago, um, and it it, it kind of put him in, in a good light, but at the same time he came across as very arrogant in the article, and he was actually like doing charity events, and he was great with children, and he did a lot of stuff in the community, and you have to give him a lot of credit for all that stuff. He would go to hospitals and visit kids and, and just be – loving and caring with them and it, it's uh, it's, a, it's a great thing that he did in the community but part of the article mentioned that he wouldn't let the kids win when he was playing connect four with them these sick kids in hospital beds he's beating them in connect four he refuses to lose just all these di- just different scenarios where he's just so ultra competitive that he just doesn't want to to lose any sort of game and at one point, it starts to reference uh, how he thinks that he is like the best basketball player on the court or, or he sees the whole court and, and that he starts to, to say that he should be the one running things and, and things like that. And it's, it was written in a way that it made sense the, the way it was presented, but you could also construe it as him just being arrogant. 
So take it for what you will, but it's, it sounds to me like this is just another situation where Rajon Rondo just flew off the handle for whatever reason, and he didn't agree with somebody uh, about basketball, and he lets that stuff really get him going. And uh, if he, I, I just would not be surprised if, if the Bulls found a way to, to move on from him and just cut bait and, and said, you know what, we, we don't want to deal with this. And if he was out of the league in the next couple of years, because he's, he's running out of chances. Word spreads fast. Once you do four teams in four years, no matter how good you are and how many times you apologize, you're not going to get contracts after that. So I, I, I'm, I'm concerned for him, actually, because he's, a, he's an excellent talent. And he, like I said, he's wonderful in the community, and he's, he, he does a lot of things outside of being on the court. But when he gets on that court, he's one of the most stubborn players in the league, it seems. Rudy, you just got me in a weak spot because over uh, Thanksgiving vacation, I uh, played my six-year-old niece in Connect Four and beat her about five times in a row. So now <laughs> I completely changed my mind about Rajon Rondo and feel like he's just misunderstood. And hopefully, <laughs> uh, at his next destination, he'll find a coach who can finally understand his passion. <laughs> there we go. All right. Wow. I can't believe the uh, the old Connect Four story really got to you. Yeah, it did. I, can, I feel like I can relate to him now. But you, you know who I can't relate to, though, is Russell Westbrook. Because he's some sort of, yeah, he, right? I'm a pro at this. Hello. He's an alien. Yeah, he's an alien, bro. Like, and you believe the stuff that he's doing right now. Like, yeah. So, here, let me let me ask you this. Is it a product of him just being the most insane basketball player on the planet? Or is it, him, or is it the product of him being that much better than everyone on his team, so he has to do all of those things? Or maybe it's both. I mean, I, th- I think it's a little bit of both. I was looking at, first of all, right now he has six triple-doubles in a row. Uh, he's averaging, you know, 11 rebounds a game. You can say what you will about, you know, this, the team doesn't have any scores, but it does have some big dudes. It does have Anders Kanter. It has Steven Adams. It's like, there's no reason why Russell Westbrook should be averaging 11 boards a game. That right there is pure intensity. And, yeah, you can say he's a rebound hunting or whatever for, for a couple of them. But you know what? That, that just means he's trying harder to get to the ball. Guess what? Everybody should be rebound hunting when a rebound goes up, right? Like that notion of like, oh, well, he's just trying to get the ball. Well, yes, that's the point of rebounding, trying to get the ball. So I, I find it hard to criticize him for that. And on, on top of that, again, if you look at his, his numbers, his you know, true shooting percentage and all that stuff, it's better than it was last year with Kevin Durant on the team. So, like his efficiency's up. It's usage rate, yeah, yeah, it's outrageous. But, you know, for the amount of minutes he plays and how much he, how hard you have to go every night in the NBA, really night in and night out, the fact that he's, his motor even allows him to consistently put up these efforts is, like, it's astounding to me. And I don't think, like, people should be taking away from that just because, you know, he's shooting more than other people are shooting. I'm not trying to take anything away from Russell Westbrook, but I just I, I feel like if even if Durant was if Durant had stayed, he would I don't know if he'd be doing this stuff. It's just there's just one other great player on the court that would be getting rebounds and getting assists. He might he he could be scoring more. Who knows? Maybe Durant would have seen something in Russell Westbrook had he stayed and said, "All right, I'm actually going to defer to this guy this time," and. It, 
But Durant's getting more assists and Westbrook's scoring more. It could have gone that way. I just don't see as many triple doubles happening had Durant stayed. No, I look obviously not as many is, is certainly correct. All right, because Kevin because Kevin Durant would be taking the ball. Okay, but I think that criticism would be would be valid if Oklahoma City was, you know, eleven and thirteen right now, but instead they're fourteen and eight. You know what I mean? Like they're they're playing well. Yeah, so he is winning games. Oh, dude, he's definitely MVP right now. That's no, that's hands down, no question about it. If the MVP was a quarter of the season race, it's him. Nobody can vote against him in my mind. Who else would it be? Well, that that brings me to the second half of this argument or this this uh, topic, which is how bad do the Thunder have to be for Russell Westbrook's triple doubles to not matter in your mind, as far as voting for him for MVP? Like, if they're if they're the sixth seed, do you still give it to Westbrook? Oh, if he's in the playoffs and he does, if they make the playoffs and he does this for the the rest of the season consistently, then he's the MVP. If they make the playoffs, that's all they have to do. It doesn't matter. I don't care if they're the one seed, the two seed, eight seed. It doesn't matter. If they're in the playoffs, he's the MVP. Even if they're out of the playoffs, he's going to get votes. So, I mean, it's just the numbers are, are freakish from him right now. And they're actually winning. And that's the more important thing. 14 and eight, that's, that, he's absolutely the MVP. If you want to look at the next best player that's on a great team, then guess what? That great team has other excellent players on it and there's an, an argument to be had about all of them so I'm looking at him I'm looking at James Harden uh, and I'm, I'm then looking towards some of the guys on the Warriors that's my yeah, that's, that's what that's I have to right now yeah that, that's probably accurate maybe you can try to find a way to get Kawhi in there but uh, yeah my thought was him and him and Harden right now obviously Davis is uh, putting up numbers that would be MVP worthy if the right but so that's bad. That, so that's but, another one. Even if, if the Pelicans were to sneak in as the eighth seed, I, at this point I would say he deserves MVP, MVP votes as well. But he, until until they get out of the bottom of the, the NBA, bottom of the standings, then he's not an MVP. Sure. The Celtics yeah, should MVP. trade for their pick, by the way. Maybe they can swindle New Orleans. They swindled Brooklyn. So who are they going to trade? Would you trade, uh, would you trade Avery Bradley for New, New Orleans' pick? Maybe I mean, if, if 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 a uh, if an injury happened to a, a Celtics player that would be devastating, knock on wood, doesn't happen. Uh, then a cert, uh, like a certain player, certain couple of top players, if one of them got hurt, then I would start thinking about shipping people off. Why not? If it's serious, you got to get right. better players somehow. I'm kidding. No, yeah. I love Avery Bradley. He's insane. Um, Anything more on Russell you know, Westbrook here? Well, just that you know that like uh, MVP has not been won by somebody who wasn't a top three seed. Basically, like I don't know, uh, at least going back to the '80s and maybe even further back. So that's fine I, with me. On, on this yeah, team, yeah. I just if they make the playoffs and it's mainly because of him doing things like this, I'm I'm on board. I'm finally you in. Know, me too. I, yeah, you know, me too. You know, finally, you've, I forgot you've been a, a Russell Westbrook denier it's, for, for years. It's been years, Calvin. Years. I've always had the argument against him, and and Steph Curry too. When they the two of them were battling as the young point guards, and I was t- calling both of them shooting guards. Do you remember? Yeah. Remember that? I bet oh, you do. Yeah. 
I want to travel back in time to like the arguments, you know, five or six years ago. I remember specifically with Munker about, and I think with you too about how Rondo was better than Russell Westbrook. It, it, hmm. seems, it seems so ridiculous now. Look what's happened now. Yeah, no kidding. Anyway, it's crazy what a couple of years will do you. Anyway, it's right. Um, we we round out the NBA unless you have more on Westbrook with Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson, right? Clay, Clay Thompson. Thompson. Did you see what Clay Thompson did last night? I'm sure you did. Uh, so Clay Thompson scored 60 points, everybody. And it, it, there's not many people that, that score 60 points just out of the blue, out of nowhere, because he hadn't been averaging anywhere near the other couple of guys on his team. But he has been playing well, and he, he started slow in this season, trying to find his groove, and people were questioning him and all these reports are coming out that Clay Thompson is being smothered by Durant and all this. Well, he, I mean, if anybody had any question about whether he could still drop a lot of points, he did it last night. He was he was on his way to uh, 80, I guess, and he didn't play in the fourth quarter. So, actually, he probably didn't even play in most of the third quarter, if I'm looking at it right. He was 21-33 from the field, eight threes, and... The Warriors, more impressively, Calvin, scored 142 points against the Indiana Pacers, led by Klay Thompson, of course. Um, I don't know what else to say about this kid, except that anyone who doubted his ability to score coming into this season should realize now that he's an absolute stud scorer. And as he improves his defense over, over the course of – the next couple of years, he's going to be a bona fide superstar. And that Warriors team is going to be able to look to any number of guys for scoring night in, night out. They just need to have the the right scheme on defense. And they look pretty incredible over the last couple of weeks here, Calvin. Right. He had 40 points in the first half. First player to do that since Kobe in an 81-point game. Uh, you know, one of the only players ever to put up 40 points and a half. He had he had 20 more in the third quarter. Uh, here's another thing that you might find interesting. Maybe you know about this, maybe you don't. But apparently he took 11 total dribbles in that game, in which he scored 60 points. Wow. Literally everything was him cutting. He, yeah, he only made eight threes. He just, it was him cutting to the basket, just getting the ball and shooting, you know, mid-range jumpers, getting the ball in the lane, making layups. But it essentially was him just playing off the ball entirely. And his 11 dribbles. Just, that's amazing. Yeah, 11 dribbles for the entire game in which he scored 60 points. So, yeah, he had one-third the amount of dribbles that he did shots, essentially. So the, that to me is, is completely crazy. He's just catching and throwing it up no matter where he was on the court and it was going in. I will say this for Clay Thompson. Like, he's not as good of a player as uh, Curry or Durant, obviously. But I feel like his when he's on, he seems, when he's like completely 100% on fire on, he seems about as on as any player that you can come across, including Curry. Like when he's truly on fire, and it's not as it's not as often as Curry is on fire. So I think Curry seems to get hot for like a quarter, and then he'll he'll die off. We'll put up a twenty-five point quarter. Clay, see, when when Clay is like having one of those games, it's it's almost indescribable to me. But here's a question I have for you, Ray. 
Hold on. Before you, before you ask me your question, I just want to throw a couple of stats out there about this. Because uh, one of your boys, Kobe Bryant, had a memorable game 10 years ago, or almost 10 years ago to the day, just a, couple, a few weeks away, January 22nd. Uh, Thompson's point per minute was 2.07, and Bryant's was 1.98. And just for the record, Clay Thompson is the first player since they instituted the shot clock to score 60 points in a game while playing fewer than 30 minutes. Can you believe that? That's, yeah, that's crazy. He played 29 minutes. He scored 60 points. Like I said, he was on pace for 80 overall. It just incredible. Just it was it was some stuff that was otherworldly. So what's your question? My question is, he had 60 at the end of the third quarter. Uh, the the Warriors were up by 30 at that point. Do you at all think about bringing him back and letting him try to see how many points he can get? The, the game is over at that point. Or do you feel like that's bad form and it's rubbing it into the sort of Pacers? Yeah, I don't do I'm with Steve Kerr. I'm glad he benched him. You, you don't want some hack on the Pacers to come in and try and injure somebody and take a suspension because he's trying to prove a point or something. It, it doesn't really happen that often in the NBA anymore, but you never know. Um, you also don't want to risk a fluke injury, which you actually see a lot in the NBA, like guys just running into their own man or tr- getting a – tweak on their knee and it turns into an ACL or going up for another dunk and coming down on somebody's foot or something. Just, you know, you don't want to see that. And more importantly, uh, you're up by 30. No need to, no need to rub it in. Just, just let the guy have his thing because you know what, if you're trying to play as a team, you're trying to be a, a team, win as a team, which the Warriors do. And that's what they preach. That's what Steve Kerr believes. Then it's not about just one guy. You don't just let somebody go crazy because he's going crazy. If it's in, within the course of a game, then fine, leave him out there. But if you're up thirty, then sit him down. I'm I'm with I'm with Kerr on this one. I just wanted a few more minutes, man. Just a few. Like the game was over, they would have understood. You know, given the circumstances, like the circumstances, I don't know. Just just give him give him five more minutes. Well, back. then he wouldn't have been able to be the first. Or actually, I guess he would have been. So maybe you want to let him see if he can hit Kobe's 62 minutes, 62 points in 33 minutes, or Carl Malone with 61 points in 33 minutes over the years. Those are the other two, looking at this list, that have come close to 60 points in less than 30 minutes. Um, but we'll yeah. just see if he can get to 80. See if he can get to 80. That would have taken quite a while, I think. No, I I, I take him out, too. Take your, all your starters out. Sit them all down. Um, all right. All right. Okay. Yep. All right. It's all right. That's it about the NBA. Good night, everybody. The NBA is over. Anyone that's an NBA fan, go away. I'm just kidding. Stick around because we're going to talk about some NFL stuff. But first, Calvin, what are the college football playoff rankings right now? One through four. Who's playing? You tell me. I'll tell you who's going to win it all. Uh, it's uh, Alabama, right? Uh, I don't know the order, but I think it's Ohio State second, third Clemson, four Washington, I want to say. It, I mean, I know it's those four teams. I don't know the order precisely. I thought, I thought you were going to Liz, which is why I'm a little thrown out. But, oh, um, you, said, you said to put her after CFP. Oh, you're right. I did say that. Yep, you're right. That's my bad. You did say that. So now yep. I'll just bail you out and tell you that uh, 
Oh, no, I'm not going to bail you out. Here we are. Rankings. Boom. View the rankings. Where is Florida State? Nowhere. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Washington. So Alabama knocks off Washington. I'm going with Clemson over Ohio State. And then guess what? Alabama wins the freaking national championship again. So great. Wonderful. College football it rules. Woo-hoo! College football playoff. It's awesome. Somebody break up Alabama. I don't know how to do it, but get them out of there. But I don't want to talk about the college football playoff so much as I want to talk about people bitching about the college football playoff. All right? I don't know. I mean, you listen to a lot of sports talk radio, as, as I do. And all I'm hearing, and it's also on ESPN, on all, all their shows, and granted, I understand, look, these shows need stuff to talk about, really. You know, they need topics. But all it is is people complaining and whining about how four is not enough, and now it has to be eight because Penn State didn't make it, and Michigan got left out, and all oh, these poor teams are getting screwed. Penn so, State they won the they won the Big Ten championship already. How are they not in the playoffs? How? So for, forget about forget about eight. But I've been saying all along, if you're going to do a college football playoff, you should expand it to six at the most forever. That's it, six. And then you give the, the top two teams a bye because they deserve it. And you just start the playoff a little bit early, extend the regular season for those other teams. And that's it. And, and, and then it really puts some emphasis on the top two, which I think it should be in general. You should have emphasis on the top two teams, not just the regular playoff where they get, they go back and forth and the two teams win and maybe you get an upset there with a the one and four. But either way, my opinion is that, being the number one seed and being an undefeated thing in the in, uh, team in the col- in college football is impressive, and you should get some sort of incentive. So I've always said this since they opened this thing up: expand to six, no more than six. Give them the bye, and that's that's how you do it right there. So that's where I and, that, and that's I'm not complaining about it. You know, I'm not one of the whiners, but I I've believed that from the start. So if they expand, I think they should, and otherwise. I don't care. I think it's working. I think it's better. But still, Alabama needs to be broken up. Well, here's my thing. It's like a couple of years ago when we had the BCS, which was, by the way, designed to fix the bowl system and create a true national champion uh, when, you know, back in the day, two undefeated teams wouldn't even play each other because they, you know, they wouldn't be lined up bowl-wise. So we created this BCS system to use uh, a math system to get the two truly best teams to play. And then people complained because there were, you know, years when we had three undefeated teams or three one-loss teams, and they all seemed equally deserving. And we're like, well, how can we pick only two teams out of these and decide who, who plays in the national championship? Now, So now we, we devise a system where there's four teams, and they can, they can play each other and figure out who the national championship is. Still not good enough. Okay, the, the point of this playoff right now, the point of this 14 playoff, is to try to figure out who the best team in the country is. Like, now, now what we've reduced to, the, the four is still not good enough. You want six. Most people I've heard are complaining. They want eight. They want Michigan and Penn State in there. But to them, and to a lesser extent to you, I say, why? Screw Penn State. Screw Michigan. They're, they're, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't care. Yeah, definitely to a lesser extent to me because I don't care about who the teams are. I don't care about why they are where they are. They have two losses right now, both of them. So they should be left out of a four-team playoff. Absolutely, I'm I'm with them on that. And forget about the BCS and all that. I just I like the idea of a playoff. So that's why I 
am for the playoff system in college football. I thought the BS, or the, yeah, I should just call it the BS. The BCS was convoluted. It was BS. And I just, I like the changes they've made. But I would also like to see some emphasis on the one and two seed because I think that more often than not, those are two clearly the top two teams that deserve to be there. No, that's fine. My my bigger point is, look, we've had a 14 playoff for a couple of years, and a team has yet to truly be screwed by this. Like Penn, the reason I say screw Penn State and Michigan is, again, both of those teams have two losses. Alabama is undefeated. Alabama, really, we should just call the playoffs off right now. Alabama shouldn't even have to play again because they're they're the number one team by a freaking mile. Like, okay, we have the structure in place where they're going to have to win two more right. games. But and they will. The other three, yeah. I mean, yeah, they they probably will. I mean, you know, anything can happen. But the, these other three teams, like Michigan, doesn't deserve to be a national champion or like have a chance to win the national champion. The other three teams that got put in that bracket are just the three teams that are left over. This is a year where Alabama is clearly the best team in the nation, and we we took this back to the BCS and we we made it an Alabama Clemson rematch, just one one and two for the title. Nobody would be complaining about it this year because the system lined up perfectly. It's you. I, we're almost never going to have a year where there are four undefeated teams that all deserve to be in the national championship. Oh, of course not. Yeah. So, or, actually, not even four. Five, because we have a four-team playoff. You're never going to have a five undefeated teams that play tough schedules that deserve to be in the national okay. championship. So, so, do you, so do, need, you also feel this, do you also feel this way about the, the about Major League Baseball expanding the wild card and adding that extra game at the end of the season to let a, a team that's on the brink maybe make the playoffs and get into that divisional series? Because that's it's not exactly the same thing, but it's pretty close. Yeah, I hate I hate that second wild card, and the, the and the reason I hate it, even though it's fun, the games are fun, but like, if, if granted, the Dodgers have not been the wild card very often, so or I don't think they've been the wild card since this has been instituted, so I really don't have a lot of personal experience with this. But the idea that like your team plays well enough to become the wild card, and then it, instead of just automatically being able to play a series, it comes down to one game where you have to burn your best pitcher and then you're behind the eight ball for the next series. It seems dramatically unfair to me. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of wild card number two. That is correct. All right, so at least you're consistent. Yeah. You know what else is consistent? Wait, are we we playing fake or real tonight? We're not. Nah. We'll put it no, we're not. Grass, so I was going to say, you know, you know what else is, is consistent? Not me. The uh, quality of Liz's games when when we bring her on the show. That's pretty usually pretty consistent, right? Are you trying to say something about my games? Is that what's happening? No, here? I'm trying. I'm trying to say that Liz's games are pretty consistently horrible. And I Liz should enlist the help of somebody else, which I believe she's done tonight, because this is probably going to be, at, at the very least, much funnier than any of the games that Liz has brought to the table in 2016. We're almost at the end of the year. Liz, I hope you're bringing the fire tonight, because you, you had some help. 
I I didn't have any help. <laughs> it's just, it's just me. You're Sorry a liar. To you. You're a liar. Although I I do have to say that that Tyler made a face when he heard that song. Didn't <laughs> like it very much. <laughs> Let's see if I could find him something better. I probably don't have much up here. Yeah, you probably don't have much. Oh, uh, he, he likes Rex Ryan, mm-hmm. right? There you go. Let's see Um, so my game tonight, with no help, it was really just me because Tyler was making macaroni and cheese without milk in it. Hi, Rory. First time, first time. <laughs> Interested in the show. There he is. Thank you, sir. You nice go. to hear from you. <laughs> you probably heard him through the through the staircase over there. Okay. All right. So here's the game. You have to tell me. If the tweets that I'm reading are Jose Canseco or J.R. Smith. Okay. Do you like this, Calvin? I think it's off to a good start. (laughs) Well, yeah, I've I've played this game with various people over the years. It's usually like... um, Oh, so she's stealing ideas then. I see. It's been done before. Okay. All right, so... I got a hype man over here. <laughs> Copyright Calvin right there, Farola. All right, so I'm going to play this game. So, well, great, because then if it's terrible, we can blame it on him. That's fine. All right, so um, I'm going to name – okay, so how should we do this? Should we have it – you guys both guess who is tweeting? The thing is, like, when you guys guess, one of you is like, well, I guess I'll guess this person because the other person – It doesn't matter. We, we are both on the same team tonight. Calvin and I are on the great. same team. We're going against you. This is your game against us. Okay, okay, then you guys have to agree on who tweeted. Okay, you ready? Fine. All right, first tweet. Caught a Bulbasaur in my bed this morning. Who are the people again? Jose Cotega, who's the other one? J.R. Smith. That is Carl Everett. Carl Everett doesn't have a Twitter anymore. Carl Everett. I mean, Calvin, I feel like it's probably J.R. Smith. What do you think? Yeah, I'll admit J.R. as well, but it could just be, like, youth bias. But I'm I'm going with J.R. You are both wrong and idiots. Uh, what? It's Jose Canseco. Canseco Canseco. tweeted that? Jose Canseco tweeted that he called it, <laughs> caught a Bulbasaur? I should have known it was him. Okay, next one. What's the best steakhouse in Frisco, Texas? Or should I go to the Brazilian place where they shave your meat right on the table? Where's Frisco? Is that is that near Houston, San Antonio, or Dallas? Because I can research J.R. Smith real quick. <laughs> nope, no, no researching. Nope, nope no researching. Um, I'm I'm going to say J.R. Smith because I feel like Jose Canseco, he'd already have his favorite steakhouse in Texas. Where I feel like J.R. Smith is going to be a little more oblivious. So I'm, I'm yeah, gonna say you okay. know what? You're probably right about that. Canseco did play for yeah. the Rangers. You have to not forget that. So yes, I'm with Calvin on this one. Good. Good job. I disagree. I think Jose Canseco knows where to get his steak shaved. <laughs> you guys that's are both what... wrong. It's Canseco. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, clearly. Okay, you ready? That's too Here bad. Go. Wow. Jose Canseco is really on fire on Twitter. That's the one I suggested to you. I should just know that. These, are these all Jose Canseco? Is this, are you fooling me here? Hey. Hey, this is my game. You're living in it. All right. Okay. All right, um, next tweet. Ready to fine and suspend me for buying a kid cotton candy in preseason? Someone else look how he interacts with the fans. End quote. 
Wait, what? There, there was like a blur of words to me. Yeah. Something about cotton candy and preteens. Ready to fine and and suspend me for buying a kid cotton candy in preseason? Someone else, look how he interacts with the fans. I mean, you know, Twitter didn't exist when Jose could take over the player. So logically, I would have to assume, yeah, I would logically have to assume that that's Jihad. Calvin, I love your logic, man. Let's go with it. Logic, logic wins tonight. All right, yeah. Logic wins tonight. Logic wins tonight. Okay, next one. I will only sign tasteful body parts. Uh, so J.R. Smith would definitely not say that. He would sign anything, especially the booty. He loves the booty. Uh, that's got to be Conseco. I don't know wait, why. Wait, she said that he will not sign body parts? Well, only. Only he will sign. only sign tasteful body parts. J.R. Smith loves the booty. Yeah, and then there's another example of J.R. Smith talking to an underage girl on Twitter and asking her if she wants to get the pipe. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, so final answer? That's Jose Canseco. All right, that's Jose. Okay. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, Logic <laughs> wins again. Next yeah. one. Two. two and two. Man, you get, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man, you have no idea. Huge fan. Just watched the whole first season in two days. Hashtag the Flash. That's gotta be I think so too. I feel like I saw this on Twitter though. Oh man, I can't remember which one it was. You follow them both on Twitter? That's pretty odd. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm going with J.R. Smith too. Yeah. Let's go with J.R. Smith. Is Jr. Good job, All right. Guys. I thought All right, that would be three, three in a row here. We're on a roll. I just have a couple left. Okay. I don't care if they don't like me. I didn't come here to make friends. I don't even care if they respect me. I have enough respect for myself. That's Jose. Yeah, I feel like they both have respect for themselves, but uh, Jose, Jose is the one that gets trolled more often, so he's going to be the one that gets a little more defensive after the trolling. You are both incorrect. It's oh, Jared. no. Okay. Last one, and this is possibly my favorite one. The best thing about dreams is waking up and thinking, thank God it was only a dream. Oh, and flying dreams. <laughs> that, I, I really hope that's Jose can say. It sounds like something that Jose would say. He loves space and things like that. So I would imagine he loves flying too. But coming from J.R. Smith, that would be a good tweet. Calvin, I'm torn on this one, man. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I want to say JR, but I'll follow your lead, man. We are playing together tonight. All right, let's let's go with let's go with Jose Canseco. Okay, you are correct. Yeah. yeah. All right, That's party time. We win your game. That's right. You win your game. All right. Yep, you win. You win all games. Thank you right. for joining us. Is that all you have? That's that's all I got. That's some good stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you, Liz. Very appreciative Bye. of that. Goodbye. Bye. Good game. I won't even play the Goo Dolls. Do that. All right. Um, Are you playing anything you have? This is happening right now. <laughs> I'm. Basically playing 
everything I have, yes. Uh, except I'm skipping a couple things like Mad Dog Karaoke. I'm skipping No Diggity. I skip. I haven't played Anything's Possible, but I guess it, it really anything is possible. Anything's possible. Calvin, we are shifting gears now from NBA to college football to Liz to the NFL. That's right. There are NFL things to talk about uh, because we haven't been on in two weeks. So some things are happening around the league. And the one that people are most upset about around here, although there wasn't a lot of talk about it after the Patriots dismantled the Rams in timely fashion on Sunday, uh, is the fact that Rob Gronkowski is injured yet again. He underwent back surgery, and he is out for the year, most likely. Uh, first indications were that he might be able to come back for the Super Bowl if the Patriots were to get there, but the Patriots are not even saying that now. They're saying that he's just out for the season, and that's it, and uh, we'll see him next year, hopefully. So the, the question that people were asking before, this weekend, and maybe they'll still ask it going forward, Calvin, is do the Patriots still have what it takes to make it to the Super Bowl? Can they replace Rob Gronkowski with Bennett, Martellus Bennett, and um, just really anybody else that they can throw out there? It, are they going to rely more heavily on Julian Edelman? Are they going to I mean, Amendola just got hurt, so are they going to have to look at their rookie, Malcolm Mitchell, a lot more often? Can they handle that with Gronkowski? Because, you know what, he's more than just a big receiving tight end. He was an integral part of their blocking scheme. He was a big part of their offense, and he will be sorely missed. But I feel like they are going to find a way to be able to navigate through the AFC and at least get to the AFC Championship with a shot at the Super Bowl. I mean, I didn't think so, but after that big ram, that big ram swing on Sunday, I'm a believer now. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Jeff Fisher because he is such a clown. Let's talk about Gronk first, though. Yeah. So you think you think they're fine, essentially? I I sort of think they're fine too, especially because I don't particularly think the the AFC is that strong. Um, I would not make them the favorite in the Super Bowl, assuming they're they're playing, you know, a Cowboys or Seahawks. I agree. Um, but I think that the Raiders are obviously the, the uh, biggest threat in terms of what they can do offensively. The Chiefs sort of play the same way every year, and I don't, I don't necessarily think that style gets you playoff wins. And the Raiders are probably too young. You know, they probably need that the, the pain of a horrible playoff loss, and then and then they're more dangerous next year. So I don't really think there's that much standing in their way, but I think Gronk probably takes, you know, a Super Bowl win off the table to some degree. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not even that because Tom Brady can, can find a way, you know, but... Well, you never know, and that's that's the thing. Like, when it comes down to it, if there's a rematch with Seattle, or like you said, if Dallas finds a way in there, I feel like the Patriots with two weeks to prepare have as good a chance as anybody with the roster that they have right now. Assuming nobody else important gets hurt, I think that they will have a legitimate shot at winning the Super Bowl. And I would, I would still expect them to be in the AFC championship game that they are a better organization than what they have shown this year. And I feel like they still have a a few weeks to be able to get some players that they are believing in right now. 
not the big names, obviously, because they've traded them all away, but players that they believe in to actually perform. So they can coach them up around here. They've been doing it for years. Tom Brady's a big part of that. It's just a matter of how they use guys. I think right now Amendola being hurt is probably going to hurt them, or it's going to be more visible that it hurts them than Gronk uh, because their offensive line has been playing really well without Gronk, and I I think that they're going to continue to do that. It's just the receivers are starting starting to deplete. So next guy up, Malcolm Mitchell is really going to have to step up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, with Amendola out. So we'll see what happens, Calvin. But, I mean, I would expect them to be there. They they should be there with the talent that they have still on this roster. Let's talk about Gawk for a second, Ray. You know, he has a back He's injury. Soft. Yeah. Well, no, no. Well, that's not what I was going to ask. That's, a funny, <laughs> that's uh, hot. That's hot. That's, yeah, yeah. You're throwing hot fire at us right now. But uh, my, my question to you, Ray, is like, are you concerned that, like, this is going to be the guy he's going to be going forward, like a, a guy who can't stay on the field, basically. Like, is he, first of all, is he injury prone? Is that a fair accusation to even throw at Definitely. this point? Absolutely. So I, but I think that, that part, of the, part of the fault falls on the team because I think the team pushes him out there faster than necessary sometimes. And, of course, he has to agree to get on the field. But I think that they nudge, they nudge him. And uh, I, I think that it's a mentality that Tom Brady brings to the field because he wants to play – when he has a broken leg, he wants to be out there. So I don't know That's whether that's Tom Brady just being a psycho or ultra-competitive or both or what, but I, I feel like the, the organization feeds off of that a little bit, and they implore other players to do so behind closed doors. That's just my opinion. I don't have any inside information or anything. That's just the way I read the situation. And I feel like Gronkowski has been – a victim of that at, at times. And he's gotten hurt because he's gone out there too soon. And not to say that this, ha- this is exactly what happened this time around. It could be two completely different fluke injuries. And he was fine after he, he came back from that supposed lung injury and took a different hit that messed up his back. But the back injury is the thing that, that set him into the, sent him into the second round when he was drafted. He's the only, that's the only reason he fell far far enough for the Patriots to take a risk on him. So this was something that people saw when he came into the league, Calvin. So, yeah, it's a concern. It's definitely a concern. Isn't it true that he's had three back surgeries now? Is that accurate? Or this will be a state? Uh Yes, but I think only one in the NFL. I could be wrong about that. But one at least in college. I thought that it was two in college and one in the NFL. But the, the, that middle one, I'm not exactly sure about. So, do you do you expect him to, you know, come back next year and just be fine and have a a healthy 16 game season, or no? You would no, I don't. I would I would no. I, I would expect him to probably take a full man a full year, at the very least nine months, which brings you right up to the beginning of the season. So I would expect him to miss a few games at the beginning of the season next year, at the very least. It, all right. I mean, look, I love watching this guy. I like his personality. I think he's hilarious. And I don't want to see, you know, him go into decline. But I just watch what happened to him out there on the football field. You know, Will Thomas just broke his leg and started tweeting about how he was thinking about retiring. Like, yeah. I'm not saying I want to – I'm not saying I want to see Gronk retire, but, like, the things that are happening to his body out there, and 
you know, yeah, and you know what? It's not it's not healthy right now for him. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, well, people talk about like, you know, how he's the greatest tight end of all time, and I think on a on a per game basis, like that's almost inarguable. But um, I'm I'm not sure if he's going to be able to actually achieve that in terms of results based on on the fact that I'm not sure how long his career is going to last. So I I guess the thing that I would say to Celtics fans is like appreciate this guy while while you can because I'm not I'm not sure how Patriots. long his career is going to be as much as I do want to say that. Patriots fans, you said Celtics fans. But speaking of Celtics oh, yeah. fans, I was going to make a cross-sport reference and say, uh, even though it's not the same type of injury, there's something to be said about coming back at 100%. Look at what Al Horford did. He sat out for a while. People started being concerned. I was one of those people. And it turns out that he was just taking a little bit extra time to come back from a concussion until he felt like he was 100%. And he hit the ground running. He has been healthy ever since. He looks great on the court. He... Feels healthy by all accounts, and I just feel like Rob Gronkowski is more of the type of guy to run out onto the field when he's 70% than he is to get closer to 100%. And that's a criticism that I have of Jay Crowder on the Celtics as well, because I think that he comes back a little too early. So I'm concerned that he is going to get hurt in a similar way, uh, obviously relating to NBA types of injuries, not getting tackled to the ground like Gronkowski does and getting smashed up and being a, a huge target on the field. That's obviously a lot more severe, but just to give a little, a little different perspective, it's good to come back at a hundred percent. If you're an athlete, that's the point. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It could be because I, I already knew he was coming out with an injury, but Jay Crowder still doesn't look totally healthy to me when he's out. When I watched that game last night, he still seems sort of, slow in his reactions to everything. So I don't know. Maybe you're not seeing that. No, I think you're right. And there you have it. I mean, I, it, he's, he's still not a hundred percent. He'll, he'll probably admit that to you, but a lot of guys will take pride in that, that they can come back and play and be somewhat effective with, with an injury. It's just depending on the injury, of course, it, it's more dangerous than, than others. And I just have a hard time believing that Gronk's first injury did not lead to his second one. It's just, it was, there were only a, a couple of weeks in between them and it, it's just too close. I think he came back too soon. And I, I don't, I don't know. I, if anybody tells you otherwise, I would be skeptical of that person. Anyway. Well, it's unfortunate. I mean, it yeah, is. hopefully he comes season and he's fine, but you never know. All case, right, moving we'll, on in the we'll, NFL, we have 24 minutes left. We're probably going to take this thing the whole way because the the Chris Sale talk might extend. But let's go. Cam Newton was benched. I don't really know why, except the fact that uh, his team stinks this year. They are just a pile of garbage. And uh, he was the MVP last year, so that's confusing to a lot of people. Have you seen much of Carolina's games this year? Do you know why Cam Newton has just been really horrible? Uh, Cam himself hasn't been that bad. Their defense has been horrible. Uh, he was bad in that game against Seattle. But to, to clarify, he wasn't benched for the entire game. He wasn't benched for the first series. Derry Anderson came out and threw an interception, and then Cam came out after that. He was suspended for that first series by head coach Von Rea for not following the team's dress code. Apparently, uh, his dress oh, code is... Oh, this just, is... Okay. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I had misread that. I thought that he that they were going to a different quarterback this year, which was very confusing. 
But he, I know yeah. that he's not been good as well, which is why I thought that it made sense. Well, he, no, no, he hasn't been bad. He just hasn't been, you know, MVP. He's not, you know, putting up 41 touchdowns and 10 picks like he did last year, but he's, he hasn't been a bad quarterback. He's just been a little closer to uh, what Cam Newton was previously the last year, which is, you know, a pretty good quarterback who makes a fair amount of mistakes. I think that's what Cam Newton is. Last year sort of was uh, the aberration in, in, you know, his career statistics. So, and anyway, he missed the game. He missed the first series. Uh, did not apparently wear a tie on the team plane. Cam Newton explained oh, afterward that he, yeah, that said he forgot to pack a tie, and that and that's why he didn't wear it. Um, his, first of all, is Ron Rivera being ridiculous? So it's a question. Well, he, he he won't forget the pack a tie next time, that's for sure. But yeah, Ron Rivera, my goodness. I guess if you have your rules and you want to stick to them, that's fine. But um, I don't know. I, I I don't know if the punishment fits the the crime. You know, I I I feel like if uh, if somebody wore sneakers in the middle of the week at, at my office, or if um. You know, if uh, they wore a, some ratty T-shirt or something, the punishment would not be to be humiliated in front of everyone and and sit down and not and like sit in the corner, you know, and not be able to work and have everybody just know that you're, you know, you're you're being punished. That would not be the crime. It would be like, or the punishment. It would be like, uh, hey, can you? go home and change quickly or just like don't do it tomorrow dummy uh, yeah. come on this is your superstar not, not, not that you should change the rules for a superstar but even if it's, if it's your lowest level offensive lineman not wearing a tie that seems like a legitimate mistake give him a break you know well, I feel like once you have the rule in place you almost have no choice but to, but to do something I don't know. I mean, probably the smart thing to do would be to find him. Because to me, uh, it's funny you brought up the analogy of somebody showing yeah, like up at bucks. work. Yeah. Well, somebody showing up at work uh, with tennis shoes on. I, I, I think that uh, if somebody showed up at work with tennis shoes on, the, what Ron Revere did is he, it's the equivalent of uh, your Boston walking up to that person and, and suspending them for 20 minutes and then telling them to get back. Like, I don't think that's really an effective punishment, first of all. No, yeah, like, like give me a dollar. Give me a dollar. Give me two dollars. Like, what? No, well, that's not, that's, that's, because you, you said well, fine. I was like, like, that's the equivalent of a fine, like a dollar, two dollars. Okay, sorry, yeah. I wore tennis shoes. I didn't mean to. Here's a dollar. A series means nothing. That's, uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he right. probably the, you know, 90% of that game. Like, I don't understand the message he's trying to throw out there, but but whatever. Like, the other question is, is like, is this emblematic of what Cam Newton is? Because Cam Newton's, you know, persona sort of is, I don't really care about anything. I don't really care. Like, uh, not that he doesn't care about winning, but I, I don't care, how, like, how people want to see me or how I'm perceived. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I I dress, you know, in these outrageous uh, outfits, and I, I don't care what you think of them. I'm not saying this as a criticism of Cam Newton because part of me admires his, you know, commitment to being himself. But do you think that there, there are bigger issues here and maybe Ron Rivera is trying to send him a message like, hey, you're not bigger than the team? Or do you think it's it's just a tie thing and he's not even it's not even that big of a deal? I, I don't know. Just hearing your description of it, it sounds like it's just a tie thing. 
but you never know with the NFL because they're always trying to cover up something. So I'm always a conspiracy theorist for the NFL. So maybe let's you want to grow something huge here. Nobody's going to listen to this. Um, maybe Ron Rivera just doesn't like the way that Cam Newton dresses and feels like he should be more proper in the way that he dresses or something. And that uh, he's going to call him out in front of the team because the team stinks. And if they were 10 and four instead of four and 10, I don't even know what their record is. I'm just throwing numbers out there. Um, then he would probably not bench him in that situation. That's my conspiracy theory that Ron Rivera is just playing favorites. He's a big jerk. All right, fair enough. Playing favorites. He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> like blacks. Who says Ron Rivera doesn't like blacks? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. See, see now that's that's those are your words, my friend. Um, you know, you know who that's also crazy. says stupid things and does stupid who? things. Jeff Fisher, the gunslinger. Jeff Fisher out in L.A. He he was toiling in Tennessee and he moved on to St. Louis and now he's hanging in L.A. I bet he loves the beaches out there. Uh, Boy, oh boy, is this guy the the biggest clown as a coach in the history of the NFL, or is it me? I think he is. Great. I hate the Rams. I didn't care about the Rams before. Let me tell you something. I hate the Rams so much because I'm on the air, like, all anybody does is constantly talk about the Rams and Jeff Fisher and, you know, whether or not he's a good coach. They've been calling for People have been calling for his head all season, uh, demanding he gets fired. I don't know if you know about his, you know, sort of falling out that he had with Eric Dickerson. Which Eric Dickerson, oh, yes. you know, showed... Oh, yes. I yeah. heard about this. <laughs> Go ahead. Eric Dickerson shows up at Rams games, okay? he He's on the sideline. He's, you know, part of a posse. A lot of teams have their old players show up and support the team however they want. Uh, the Careful with that word. Here. Careful with that word posse. It's offensive to some people like LeBron James. Go ahead. Fair enough. There's kids. Yeah, fine. Him and his friends, okay, show, show, up, at, show up at the game. Uh, they get free tickets, tickets. They get comped, or they, they did get comped. Until recently, uh, Jeff Fisher called Eric Dickerson up and asked him, told him he'll no longer be welcome at Rams games because Eric Dickerson has been doing interviews where he's been critical of the team and more specifically Fisher. So, uh, apparently so, Fisher so, called him up privately. Told, so yeah, told Fisher, him not Fisher's, Fisher's butt hurt that somebody's calling him out for being a bad coach and he wants that person to not get free tickets anymore. Which, you know what? If Eric Dickerson really is going to sort of badmouth people and try and call for their heads, then he probably should be paying for his own tickets. Unless he's actually a spokesperson for the Rams and the management believes in what he's saying. In which case, they should just fire Fisher and move on. But that's not the way that I view this situation. I think Eric Dickerson is just uh, just uh, spouting off and mouthing off in these interviews. So, for once, I kind of agree with Jeff Fisher here in saying you know what, we're not going to give you comp tickets anymore. You can pay your own yeah. way in. 
I actually agree too. I'm glad you're on the same page as me with it because um, almost everybody's on Dickerson's side because you know Cody's a Rams legend. But you, yeah, you can't just go on every show like Dickerson's been doing and, and complaining about the Rams nonstop. If you were if you were there, if they cop you and your people to show to show up at the game and to like be a representative of the Rams, they don't they don't want you to be a representative of the Rams to. Then turn around and trash them as much as possible. They want you to be like a positive influence on the team and try to at least. That doesn't mean that you can't be critical at all. But he's going. He's doing things like going on the air and saying, "Well, you know, he's not my coach." You know, doing things like that. Like, yeah, uh, no, thank you. Yeah, he he's, he had a long conversation apparently with the GM where uh, right before Jeff Fisher's extension, which we'll get to in a second, where he 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 basically like. Try to be, try to say, uh, you're not going to extend him, are you? He's like talking to the GM like that, and the, the GM's like, uh, we're in discussions, and Dickerson's like, oh, so that means you're doing it, and then he then he, then he comes and does an interview where he says all of those things, and that's how we know about them. So really, so you're also giving away the inner workings of what's going on in the organization, like. It's just an untrustworthy person to have around. If I'm Jeff Fisher, obviously I'm not trying to have this guy around. Openly during the season, trying to take and like, uh, trying to take away my job and fire me before the season's even over, and then like openly being upset when I get a two-year extension. Just if you're going to be a supporter, be a supporter. If not, then don't expect three things. I totally agree with you there. But as far as Fisher right. goes, right? We are on the same page Fisher, there. Yeah. Let him buy his own tickets. So. Anyway, wait, how much are Rams tickets anyway? They can't be that expensive, or are they? I mean, you know, Dickerson's basically getting on the field, which is something I don't think you can pay for. But uh, Fair enough. Um, yeah. Anyway, Fisher's extension. The most yeah. losses by a coach in NFL history. This man will be there if he's not already. Is he there? No, he needs two more to tie Dan Two more. He's as, close. Okay, yeah. so he will be there by the end of this year, and certainly, if not, if they go on a run by the end of next year, he will, he will be there. Bruce Jeff Fisher has coached twenty-two seasons in the NFL. How many seasons do you think he has winning record in? Uh, I know that he's made the playoffs like six times. So let me go with uh, seven winning records and one five hundred. Uh, six winning records. You're right. Those six times. So six playoffs. No, All right. He's not. He's not playoffs. one of those teams that made the that went had a winning record and missed the playoffs. Then he was. He just made the playoffs or didn't. No, I think Tennessee made the playoffs one year at eight and eight. I could be wrong about that, but uh, I know he's been eight and eight on multiple occasions. But he's been nine and seven or better. Just six times over his career, he's played, he's coached apparently the, the exact same number of games as Bill Belichick, but he has like seventy-seven less wins. <laughs> so this is so, so wait, hold on. Since you mentioned Bill Belichick, speak. I heard this stat the other day. Um, I can't remember if it was at the end of the game or not, but the Patriots uh, had outscored Jeff Fisher's coach teams one hundred and thirty to ten at one point in that game. And I think that the Rams then scored a touchdown after that. So it's probably 130 to a hundred or to 130 to 17 at this point. But the point is that they dominate Jeff Fisher. So that's part of the reason I think he's a clown, but anyway, go ahead. Sorry. It's okay. Look, yeah, Jeff Fisher is a terrible coach, 
he hasn't been good. I'm not even sure that he was that good in Tennessee. They ran ultra-conservative offenses, behind a big, powerful offensive line, and Steve McNair was awesome. But, like, he's been so bad, really. Everyone's been calling for his head, but apparently they gave him this extension because he was the guy, he's the guy who was leading them through this difficult transition to Los Angeles, and it's a reward for him. But what about a reward for the fans? L.A. already doesn't care about the Rams. The non-Rams games are out uh, drawing the, the Rams games on national television here in Los Angeles <laughs> by, by a country mile. Nobody, nobody cares about the Rams. That's we terrible. Already have our own. They're the you Clippers. Know, yeah. You're giving us the, this coach that like, nobody likes, this team with Jared Goff and, you know, who, by the way, he waited the entire season to play, and he's essentially, you know, case Keenum Park too. Like it's not like he's any more ready than he would have been earlier mm-hmm. out of the season. So he's providing no hope, and it's like now we have two more years of this boring guy. Uh, I feel bad for Rams fans. Yeah, you look at his laugh. He's openly just just you're giddy with laughter and how lame. <laughs> I just think it's funny that uh, I'm drawing the comparison to the the old Clippers with Bill Fitch and like just them being so horrible and now Doc Rivers is there and they they still are not going to win a championship like they are they're a good team but they just they're never going to live up to the standards of Los Angeles basketball and I I just feel like while there's not that much of there's not a tradition in, in LA for football that there is for basketball. Uh, but there is a tradition for the Rams in L.A., right? And I just feel like this Rams team is not even going to come close to living up to that tradition, and they're just going to be a laughing stock. and people are going to prefer to follow Oakland, or they're going to look to the San Diego Chargers to be the team that they want to want to do well, depending on where they end up in the next couple of years, because so they're looking to move. Um, but the, the point is, people in L.A., Calvin, I mean – Tell me if I'm wrong. People in L.A. know what they like, and you you have to impress them quickly, or they're not going to like you. Is that is, you think that's true? Uh, I think that's true. I think well, for the most part, I think you, you know the nature of bandwagon fans, and we, we're as bandwagon as they come. I think if the Rams suddenly become a dominant team, you'll see people out of nowhere uh, watching them. But otherwise, yeah, they have to pretty much impress out the gate. Whichever team is good first will really, because apparently we're going to end up getting the Chargers, which is something else I'm not looking forward to. Mm-hmm. So whichever team comes off of first is, is essentially going to be the Lakers and the, and the Lakers-Clippers power dynamic uh, going forward. Well, that will be interesting to see how that plays out over the next 20 years or whatever it may be. Um, let's end the show here for the next eight minutes talking about how a big move in Major League Baseball is going to play out over the next couple of years. And that is Chris Sale, the big lefty, best lefty in the American League over the past few years, uh, from the Chicago White Sox going to the Red Sox for one of the Red Sox' top, top prospects in Yohan Moncada. Um, so there, there's, there was a lot of talk about this today, as you can imagine, on Sports Talk Radio in Boston. And... Um, a lot of people are happy about the Chris Sale deal. It's very difficult to not be happy about something like this. You have a, a legitimate ace coming to your staff. People are questioning whether he can win in the playoffs because obviously he hasn't pitched there before. Uh, he's, he's not been on very good teams. They're not making the playoffs over there in Chicago as far as the White Sox are concerned. Uh, 
So there's a question about that. But as far as his makeup as a pitcher, it, it just it seems to me like this this was a no brainer for the Red Sox. I feel like they did a masterful job at getting a, a guy for cheap. And I, I heard some uh, some reports that. Uh, Chicago was also talking to Washington, but they liked the Red Sox prospects better. So they basically told the Red Sox what Washington was offering them, and the Red Sox did one better with Moncada, and the White Sox took it. So overall, Calvin, I I love the Chris Sale deal. I'm glad that he's coming to Boston. I think that they're going to be much improved, and they should be a favorite to win the division and contend for the ALCS champion or the ALCS and move on to the World Series. But the the other problem that people are bringing up on the radio around here is that prior to this deal, he he being Dave Dombrowski traded for a reliever from the Milwaukee Brewers, and then he also signed. Mitch Moreland to uh, a contract late in the day. And even before this trade early in the morning, he has been trading guys over the last year or so since he's been the the GM for the Red Sox out of their farm system. So people are complaining around here that he's blowing up the farm system and he's bringing in players to win now. And to that I say, good, go for it. Build the farm system again later. Wait a couple of years and then find some younger players that you can throw down there and draft your way back up. If you can find young guys that can play in the league right now and you have a chance to win, go do it because this team is starving for that stuff. And, I mean, I wish they would have done it when Ortiz was still here so he could have another chance at actually winning a playoff series. Uh, but going forward, I just I like the fact that they're building for now. Right. There's just a little – to me that's more in, in sports that's more overrated than baseball farm prospects. Like, how do I know Moncato uh, is going to be good? I don't mean what's the name? I, I read it, but I forgot. Mon- yeah, Moncato. Yoan Moncato. Yoan. Moncato, yeah. Moncato, yeah. Yeah, I realize he's a Cuban prospect, and yeah, those they often, you know, work out. Sometimes they don't. Um, you know, they have a, three, three other guys. But Chris Sale, as far as I'm concerned, is you know, the, the fourth or fifth best pitcher in baseball, if you just look at what he's done, maybe even better than that over the last five or so years. He's consistently good every year. He's always at the top of the American League in strikeouts. He's a left-hander. He's awesome. So, like, what, what are you doing with this prospect? I know they have a couple of pitching prospects. Like, you're hoping that maybe someday that guy who throws you know, right. hard could someday be – uh, not even as good as Chris Sale. He could be hopefully be pretty good, but not right. Chris at Sale. best, like, he's Chris he's, Sale. Yeah, at very best, he's yeah. Chris Sale. This was a no-brainer. You're right. Yeah, Chris Sale's 27 years old as well. Like I don't have a and by the way, the Celtics already have a team full of young, good players. Like the idea that oh, we, we this is twice. Hold on, this is twice now you've done this. You called the Patriots the Celtics, and now you've called the Red Sox the Celtics. I think you are starting yeah. to become a Celtics fan, even though you don't want to be. And you said almost said we last night on the post game show, Calvin. I'm pretty sure you should trade your purple and gold in for some white and green, buddy. Maybe it's just that all Boston teams are just the Celtics to me. It's the baseball Celtics. <laughs> the baseball Celtics. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm. You know me. I misspeak all the time. I miss the Red Sox. Uh, the point is, is like, like, yeah. Who cares? The Sox have a bunch of young players coming out of their system. They already have Betts. They already have Bogarts. 
there you have a, a yeah. They have a young roster up and down. Yeah, yes, okay. Moncada, you know, might have turned into something, but he he might not have. But do you really need? So you don't need everyone to be that guy. You know what you need is a left-handed ace because the the pitching on this team, yeah, Grant and Porcello won the Cy Young, although he probably shouldn't have done it. Do we even talk about that? I don't know. Maybe we did. Maybe we did. But the, the point we, is, we is did like, not. No. Yeah. The point is, is adding an ace, a true ace to the staff. You put you put him behind or in front of David Price, and now you guys are talking about one of the best pitching staffs in baseball. To me, there's no downside. Looking always looking down the road makes no sense when you can pick up a 27 year old uh, ace who can help you win right now. So, I I need to look into this, but. Oh, man. I mentioned David Ortiz on the show just a, a couple minutes ago. And there's already things being tweeted out by local news stations around here or, or Facebooked out or whatever, what have you, um, saying that he is teasing that he's coming out of retirement. And for me to say that with 90 seconds left in the show is kind of a, kind of a bummer uh, because that, that's a different story in and of itself. But maybe we can get to that next week if there's actually anything to it and this news station is not just throwing random crap against the wall because it would be amazing to see them actually go on a run with Ortiz if he's still feeling good. Calvin, we're almost out of time. What do you have to end the show? Uh, I'd just like to congratulate uh, Calvin Chamberlain for betting on the Spurs to beat the Timberwolves by more than four. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Congratulations. Way to go. Uh, do you want a – here, I'll give you a little uh, – nope. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Oh, there it is. Uh-huh. Also, I promised Tyler that I would play my Susan Waldman impression, so here it is. Roger Good night, everyone. is it George Skype with his box? Roger Clemens is a New York Yankee. That <laughs> means well, huh? Yep. There, there it was. All right, we're we're out of here. See you later, buddy. All right. Out of here.